Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, June 15th, and on today's episode, we are doing final stats and a playoff recap. Before we get to introducing my guest and getting into the success rate that we accomplished this season on The Advantage, let me remind you guys to follow me on Twitter, at mfiddle 14 to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening to, and to join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. Now will be a good time for me to say, if you've been listening to this pod and you're not already in that Discord channel, now is the time because for the offseason, as we approach NFL, as we approach 2023-24 NBA, all of my offseason futures bets are going to be Discord only. So if I'm taking futures, if I'm taking awards races, if I'm taking to make the playoffs, I've already put in some major bets on the Atlanta Falcons. So moving forward, some of those bets will be Discord only. When we get to the season, I will be putting the game bets back on Twitter. But if you want access to my futures portfolio, which is a very successful portfolio nonetheless, we just cashed a 14-1 to Denver Nuggets ticket posted December 5th, 2023. Two? Yep. Um, Sign up for that Discord. All right. Let's get into today's episode. Joining me, very frequent guest on the pod. We were supposed to have two, but we got ditched by one, so we are left a duo today. Someone who gets a new title every time he comes on the pod. And today, since we're talking stats and the money we've brought home, let me introduce our staff accountant, recently promoted to CFO. He is our chief financial officer. Austin Vernon, AV. Welcome back to the pod. How you doing? How has it been moving paper and crunching numbers? I mean, now that I got this big promotion, I'm going to go home to my wife and kids and we're going to celebrate. This is one of the biggest days for me in my life, certainly on this pod. Um, I'm honored. Thank you, boss. Good to be back. As we were just talking off air, I think it helped you move to the burbs. It did. I'm, I'm living my best life out here in Chappaqua, like the little prince I've always been. <laughs> All right. So... Before we get into the main basketball part of today's discussion, and me and Austin were talking a bit off air, and what I want to do, I came up with a few topics to hit, and we're going to like kind of recap the playoffs, kind of project some stuff into the future, kind of piece a bunch of things together, but something I pride myself on on this podcast is that I don't engage in the normal discourse of NBA podcasts and other shows. When I'm talking about bets and what we're going to bet in the future and I'm breaking down numbers, I'm talking about line movement. I'm not talking about who I think is going to be angry today and come out firing. Like I don't think I don't I don't put those basketball thoughts out there. I put those market thoughts out there. So when I do fill in some of the basketball conversation, I like to find the spots that are missing that I wish some of the people that I frequently listen to were talking about. When I put on some of my podcasts, I'm screaming, why don't you just talk about this? So today, I have Austin joining me to have those discussions with me and hopefully fill in some of the gaps for you. AV, I know I'm going on a while here, but let me just quickly say the stats that the Advantage accomplished this season. Are you ready to hear them? I'm pumped. As our CFO, get ready yeah, to work. Yeah, this is big. That we placed 631 NBA bets during the 2022-23 NBA season. We won 352 of them, which results in a 55.78% hit rate and returned my second best season ever in the 10-plus seasons I've been handicapping. 
we had 74.93 units of return. When I start a new season AV, I say it's not am I going to beat the books. It's how much am I going to beat the books by. I aim for about a 30-unit mark in the NBA. This year, 74.93. We fucking murdered it. There we go. I can't wait to put together the shareholders letter. They're going to like to hear this. This is so, exciting. So, Avi, I know you've asked me, like, off the side, like, and, and let's be honest for the for the people. You've asked me privately, have you ever fudged your tracker on a bet? Have you ever, like, yep. just made some shit up where you just put something in there? And to which I said to you, no, because I'm not the one. Like, I update my tracker, but there's someone else at Sports Ethos who would observe it, who would watch me do it, who I'm sending, who I'm emailing my bets to. And then he's looking at my tracker to then make sure it's updated and then blast out the stats, right? So there, if I... If I lied, I felt like I would have gotten caught. And also, like, what's the fucking point, right? Like, I, there, was, yeah, there was literally no, right. no no point, especially when I am winning. What's the difference of being up? Like, if I lied about 18 units and I was up 57 units instead of 75, like, it's still amazing nonetheless. So there was truly no reason to. To be honest, A.V., that person who was watching and being the kind of guide and, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, What's the right word for that? Who's like kind of observing all of our trackers and posting all of our stuff has recently left Sports Ethos. So for next NFL season, what I'm going to do for next NBA season, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my Google tracker an open Google Doc so anyone with the link can look at it. And that oh, will like allow that. every single person who follows me on Twitter to click the link and literally compare my tweets posted before the games, my screenshots of the lines with what happens in my tracker. I find Twitter to be the place where I'm trying to build a gambling audience, and it's filled with frauds. It's filled with people who are doing five-unit locks, and I'm up third. Like, it's it's all complete bullshit. So I've often spoke. That's why I'm trying to get in this space, because nobody should be telling you that they're good at parlays, because that's nonsense in itself, right? That's like... You don't tell people to jump off a bridge, right? You don't tell people to light their money on fire. You tell them to donate it, and let's donate it anywhere but FanDuel with a five-leg parlay. That's nonsense. So for next season, everything is going to be available for anyone who follows me to literally watch my tracker get updated throughout the entire season, to backlog it, whatever you want to do. I'm going to make that a public Google Doc. Sounds like a good idea, Look, right? Uh, it's a great idea. I mean uh – I'm an accountant, so that type of bookkeeping is is right up my alley. I don't know how much uh, how much more play I'm going to get out of this accountant title, but so far <laughs> it's weaved nicely into your into your intro here. I, I don't know if you've been able to compare your stats with the other guys at Sports Ethos, but I mean that seems like a crazy good year, um, both yeah, on the units I, I, up and the percentage rate. So. It is, you know, roughly two x what everyone else at Sports Ethos has done this season. Ooh. However. However, it's still 2x what I project to do in a normal season. So not to discredit right, right, right. from any of the Sports Ethos handicappers that made 20 to 30 units because that's still a killing. And that's still way better than the norm. And those are still people you could take advice from. I just had a ridiculous season and I'm here to celebrate it. Um, the nice. last thing I want to speak to on the stats is I always say the number. If you're betting minus 110 lines, your hit rate needed to be profitable is 52.4%. So me hitting... 55.78% clearly means I cleared my profit threshold. However, I do say that sometimes professional gamblers are in that 57 to 58 range. Everything is with a grain of salt. So 
one thing that I frequently do, one thing that I like, if I'm betting an underdog with the points, if I'm taking Miami plus eight and a half, I'm very likely also taking Miami plus 320 on the money line. And so for those reasons, because I stack those bets and pair them together, my hit rate is slightly lower because hitting that 320 is not going to, you know, it's going to result in a lower hit rate. However, my unit return is higher because I'm still making money off those bets. So the volume is important. The unit return is important. Being above the 52.4 is important, but being like, oh, it's a 55% hit rate. Not really. It has to be taken to a grain of salt with the average odds you're taking. And mine is closer to 100 than minus 110 because I take escalated bets. Don't you take escalated bets in both directions though? Like if you're taking the Knicks minus eight, now you're taking them on the money line and you're getting terrible odds. No. No. And Amy, let me speak to that. So in the playoffs, there was probably three or four times I know, I know in the in like the second round, there was a stat that was floating around that over the last three seasons, which included like 150 NBA games, there was only three times in the playoffs that the favorite won but didn't cover. So for those reasons, if I'm taking a favorite, I'm going to just play the spread. And, and gotcha. all the, conversely, if I'm taking a dog, because if the favorite won but didn't cover, that means if the favorite didn't cover, the dog won outright a lot of the times. So I would take dog to win outright or favorite to cover spread. Gotcha. And so that reason, that, that would explain. Okay. Let's get yeah. into some NBA discussions. It was a dominant NBA season. I think anyone who's listening to this podcast and made it 10 minutes into our stats talk certainly knows Winning is routine at the advantage, mm-hmm. and we plan to continue for the foreseeable. All right, AV, the number one source of discussion coming off the Nuggets winning the finals has been about Jokic and the Nuggets and how good they are and how they rolled through the West, how they're 16-4, and four, how let's not discredit the fact that they played three play-in teams, the Wolves, the Lakers, the Heat, and the Finals. Let's not like discredit that the Phoenix team was really good. They were, they were the underdogs. Okay, we've heard all of that. Let's talk about the Miami Heat. We've also Thank heard you. endless about Jimmy Butler. We've heard endless about Coach Spo. We've heard endless about Heat culture and Pat Riley. Austin. I have figured out, and I texted you, but I haven't told you the reason. I have figured out why heat culture exists, and it is completely unspoken, and I nailed it. Do you have any guesses what – No, and I I tried to get you to tell me before the podcast. I mean, I've been looking forward to this, so I I don't want to delay at all because you wouldn't tell me. So now I just want to hear it. Well, I'm going to keep delaying it. All right. Do (laughs) Do you know who the G League affiliate for the Knicks is? I do not. It's the Westchester Knicks. Oh, that's right. They formerly the Hawks. Or we do you, grew up with the do Hawks you know? Nets. Do you know who the uh, the G League affiliate for the Nets is? I think the only G League team I know is the nine oh five. Is the Raptors? And you know, I think I saw a little bit of that Santa Cruz team for the Warriors. No, I have. That no was idea my next question. Who's the Warriors? Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah, Santa okay, Cruz. Well, I think. I'll answer the Nets one for you. The Nets is the Long Island Nets. They play in the redesigned Nassau Coliseum, and they have a practice facility, state of the art in Coney Island with the Nets. Do you know who the Miami Heat's G League affiliate is, Av? I mean, they have enough G League players on their main team. They don't really need a G League team. No, I, I don't. I don't know. Where does 
Gabe Vincent gets sent if he goes to the G League and has to leave South Beach in the winter, where does he go to play for the Heat? If the answer is Sioux Falls, Nebraska, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay. So, when you have an undrafted player like Gabe <laughs> Vincent, and yeah. the two sides of the coin that he's looking at are <laughs> buses around South fucking Dakota in the middle of the winter... Or being in South Beach with a Miami Heat contract with no state income taxes, chilling with the boys, going to the clubs, being on the charter jets, you only are going to work 10 gajillion times harder. When the Knicks put these guys in Westchester, where the Knicks players live choosingly, the ones who play for the real team, when the guys on the Long Island Nets are in the same state-of-the-art facility that the that the NBA players are in when the, when the Santa Cruz warriors are in an amazing part of California, just chilling as G leaguers and the Miami heat are sending their fuckers to South Dakota to Sioux falls and saying, go have fun, go work on basketball. And if you want to come to South beach, work your ass off and it works. I love the theory. I'm wholly with you for the bottom half of the bench, anyone undrafted late picks. And that is really their specialty developing the talent. But a big part also of what they're able to do is they're able to get stars who in most organizations would be told, forget about, you know, passing a fitness test and being at a certain BMI. You don't even have to run. You don't even have to run and walk through like you're hanging out. They get stars to come and buy in. So I, I, I agree with you, but I do think that that is a layer and it's actually bigger than that. And I know that, you know. Everyone is on the Miami Heat and Heat culture and as if they have some magic in their water. But uh, I, I think it's too much, but I think it's real. It is really, really there. And especially when you look at the spectrum from some of the organizations right now in the NBA who really don't have that, it is night and day. Yep. They have stability. They have good coaches. They have leadership top down. Apparently, buy-in. Full apparently buy-in. Apparently, even position, the team everyone. beat reporters have to be in shape. Like apparently, like Riley. Are you serious? Speaks, yes. Apparently, Riley speaks to the columnist, to the people, and he's like, "Hey, man! Like people who have gone to work for the Heat, who have been overweight, have literally left two seasons later, down sixty pounds in great shape." Oh my god! It is all over the organization, but I think the missing piece, and of course, they identify the right players and the right stars who are going to set the example. But I also think that that missing piece, as we say to this pod, we're going to fill in the gaps of this conversation. Is like no one is talking about that. You know, if Duncan Robinson didn't make the cut, if he was lackluster, he would be in South Dakota versus South Beach, Miami. Like, if we're going to say LeBron's taking his talents to South Beach, it's probably one of the most attractive destinations in the NBA. There's a much bigger contract waiting. There's no state income tax. It's literally so much layers of stuff for you to be like, oh, my God, if I'm Hassan Whiteside, now's the time to grind my ass off in Sioux Falls, make the heat, get a max contract, eventually get shipped to Portland and be trash. Yeah, I'm sold. All right. Topic number two. Everyone is talking about the Denver Nuggets being, is this the start of a dynasty or you know what I mean? Like, how good are they going to be? And the answer to that question is very simple. I said it to you off air. It's they're not a dynasty yet, but they have the potential to be. AV, do you feel we need to continue that conversation at all? I mean, we obviously don't need to continue it the way that, you know, ESPN first take type talk about it, where as soon as they win a championship, it's just, you know, is this the best team of all time? The dynasty, ridiculous. I I will say, though, that maybe more than any other league, the NBA is, is so reactionary to what they've seen 
work recently and, and what, what they're, where they've te- seen teams be successful. And the regular season and the playoffs could not be more different. So it's wild kind of ending a, a, a playoff run where, you know, your wings who can play three and D and be incredibly physical are so valuable and then go back to the next season and you see guys like Poole and Randall and all those guys are actually good again. It's like, oh, what's going on? It's like, no, the playoffs are a different game. And And the other thing is, you know, the Nuggets won. They were healthy. They were great. They're, they're a phenomenal team. And I will have that conversation with you. But if you if you play out the simulation of life of the playoffs again a hundred times, they don't win a hundred times. And the way Not people talk about it after they win is there could have been no other outcome. This is the team that's head and shoulders above everyone. And I love the way they play. Jokic was phenomenal, beautiful basketball. But I, I don't like the, how over over the top everyone is after a season where it's like, of course they won. It couldn't have happened any other way. In fact, if you don't play basketball exactly like they do and structure your team exactly like they do, then you also can't win. That's not true. One, one, and and this is, we're not being anti-Nuggets at all. Me and you completely had the Nuggets. I was on a future ticket on the Nuggets. We're huge Jokic fans. So we're going to get into some of that in a second. I have a few questions on on the aftermath of the celebration and everything. But, like, it, it, it's hard to say that they're a dynasty after winning one. It's just, like, let's slow down and, and let's start comparing them to previous teams that have won. I think you said it so well. It's, like, they're they're really well-positioned. I don't think any team went into this season saying, let's build a team that's going to beat the Denver Nuggets, right? Like we had, we had the Pacers building for anti-LeBron. We had the Celtics building for LeBron. We had the Rockets for the Warriors. Absolutely. Exactly what I was going to say. Rockets to Warriors. So maybe next season we have, you know, people coming in looking for multiple big bodies for when you face Jokic to do what the Lakers did with AD and the switchable defender like Rui. Maybe you get two good interior defenders and that's and you do that switchable scheme and maybe it just maybe you try it out more in the regular season so you're more apt for it in the playoffs anything we're just going to see different schemes being built it speaks to how reactionary the league is but one thing i've been screaming at the podcast that everyone who's talking says it's a dynasty is like why don't we just go back and compare it to previous teams that have won the championship or multiple championships and kind of just see where we rank them in conjunction. So I'm going to th- I'm going to throw out names. I'm going to go I'm going to work chronologically backwards through my lifetime and you tell me above or below and we're going to find this sweet spot for this Denver Nuggets team, all right? I'm I'm fully on board. I will make one qualifier before we do this cuz I know we we briefly had this conversation. I feel that basketball evolved so quickly. So I, I know we're not going to get, you know, 50 years back where we have to compare this team to teams where you had one player on a 12-man roster that even shoots threes. That being said, even going as far back as, you know, 20 years, I, I think that the the level is so much higher. The level of the roster, especially guys that are like 6 to 12 on the roster, is it's night and day. They're so much better. So now. how so should we do this skills. in comparison to the rest of the league against each other if they played a theoretical series? Like, how do you want to do Let's, it? No, I think your, your method of going back chronologically is the move. And I think eventually we're going to get to a year where we just feel that it's less how do they compare as to a team and more just how do they compare to that era, and then we'll drop off. All right, cool. Is this team better? Than the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis that won the title. Yes, but it is close. Um, I love what that Bucks team did defensively. I love what Giannis did during that run in a very similar to Jokic way, where it felt like he was the best basketball player in the world, and there was probably not as much of a debate. Although KD had had a great year in playoffs that year as well. 
Um, but I think what the Nuggets do as a team, how they play around Jokic um, offensively, is, is just more unique. And because they're not a defensive liability, as Jokic is not a defensive liability anymore, they they play offense better than the Bucks enough that their defense it comes close, if that makes sense. So I'm 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 saying they're close, but better. Bubble Lakers. Oh man, that was Bubble a weird Lakers season. I also want to Bubble Lakers who beat the last time we saw Jokic and Murray healthy together in the playoffs. Yep, they beat that. They beat that team where where Mall was balling, looking all sorts of nice. They beat a better version of Jimmy when they had Hero. Um, I still think I still think the Nuggets are better because of, of the unique way they run their offense and because that series with the Lakers was closer. I will say that this goes overlooked and because he gets a little bit slandered because of injuries and other stuff. AD defensively for the bubble Lakers team and LeBron was the final MVP. AD defensively, when you have a big man who can protect the rim like that and also be probably the best big man in terms of how you're able to play pick and roll, whether you want to um, bump up, switch, drop cover. It was it, it. No other team was able to play the way they played. No other team I've seen defend as well in the playoffs in recent memory as that Lakers team. It's close. AD gets a lot of respect. I'm still going the nuts. I put bubble Lakers, but we'll continue. That's, we don't need to get ridiculous. They're close uh, enough for both of us, huh? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll group yeah. them together. Um, Warriors, and let's just use definitely not the KD Warriors. We don't Good. need to like react Good. to that. Okay. I would say probably better than last year's Warriors that did it with with like the Pool Kaminga group. And I Wiggins do think they're better out. than last year's Warriors, but, I, but worse I, than the previous Warriors iterations. The super the super Warriors team before KD, when Steph was probably what people would say his prime when he was unanimous MVPing, was so revolutionary that teams weren't really ready to stop that. If you put that team in this year's playoffs with the Nuggets. I think that it's a good match. I, I like both those teams. I think that what Denver does offensively can actually rival w- what they're doing, and they don't get picked on as much with Jokic and that team. i probably still pick the Warriors, but I think it's closer than people think because a lot of people think of that Warriors team as, you know, on, on par with, you know, the Lakers, Shaq team that went 16-1 and in other teams, and they were that good for their time. It's just I think if they played now because other teams are ready for their offense, it would be harder. I, I, I'm not even going to respond because I completely agree. So I would, I'm not going to save the time of reiterating exactly what you said. All right. So we have them as of now worse. I mean, uh, the only team we have them worse than is that super team. And then relatively similar to the rest of the warriors. I have bubble. Yeah. I have them better than the Raptors also. I think we might have skipped the Raptors along that. Nope. That was my next one. Raptors are clearly we're better than. We don't need to. We don't need to yeah. to delay yeah. realm on that. the The other one that I want to speak of is the Kyrie, Kevin Love, LeBron, Cavs teams. Yeah, I, I'm 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 going with the Cavs there yeah, for one simple reason. Cavs. I I love how good Jokic is now. That LeBron is is an MJ. Thank you. you know, okay. I mean, it, uh, Jokic yeah. is doing amazing things. He isn't yeah. prime LeBron James, right? Yeah. LeBron, okay. the year they lost, where Kyrie and Kevin Love got hurt, where he won that first game in uh, in in Golden State and slammed the ball down. That I mean, that's the best basketball I've ever seen by one person. Okay, so he's we are player. in agreement there. I don't want to I don't want to delay these things too long. So, yep. <laughs> going back even further, who's before? Is it who's like two thousand tw- 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 Spurs? There's okay, a Mavs Spurs? team that won. There's a Spurs no, 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 team that won. We're getting won. back yep. there. Spurs, yeah, okay. Spurs, Heatles, and Mavs. We have to do. Yeah. 
Spurs. Yeah, I, I love I love the Parker. Spurs one. Let's do the Spurs one first because the Spurs match up so well in that they do a lot of similar things that the Heat had to do this year. They have a phenomenal coach. They play such smart team basketball, especially on the defensive end with their rotations, whether that's the way that San Antonio communicated and rotated or the way that Miami messed with people with their zone. Um Ah, I, I, they, they had so much championship experience. Tim Duncan is so good. I guess it depends on which Spurs team you pick, but I'm probably going Spurs. I was going to ask you, is there any version of the Spurs, whether it's pre, pre-Kawhi and you have David Robinson, or is it when you have Tony, Manu, Tim, and Kawhi? Like, give oh. me all of those Spurs teams over this Nuggets team. Yeah, I agree. I think my least favorite of those is the one that Tim Duncan is the oldest in, um, but he was still pretty effective. Yeah, where they lost, where they where they beat the Heat after the year they lost to them. Yes. Okay. Mavericks 2011. I think it's very clear that we're going to put the Nuggets above that Mavericks team. Good. Good. Done. Yep. Okay. I, and and that's that's Let the year I start getting to where I'm like, yeah. I think okay. it's clear we're also going to put that the Nuggets over the Wade Shaq Heat run. It, it is, but again, we're getting back to that time where basketball was a little different, teams were a little different, everyone was worse. Yes. Okay. Now let's talk about there's there's really three more that I want to do. Okay. Kobe Pow group, Kobe Shaq group, and KG Pierce Ray Allen group. Uh, good. I, I I think the Celtics is the most interesting one. I was gonna point to it if you if you didn't bring it up because that team I, won one and got back a second time. Yep. So if we're talking I mean, dynasty, that, it's not a that team was not a dynasty, but like that seems KG. Pierce Ray Allen combo seems very on par with the skill level of this Nuggets team. Very on par. It was one of the first super teams, if not the first, depending on who you ask and whether you think of like the Rockets with Barkley and Drexler right. and Elijah Wan. Um, I think that even though Doc Rivers gets clowned, that was a time where having a players coach like that that could bring a roster like that together was so impressive. I don't even know if other coaches knew what you do with one basketball and three superstars and, and dealing with that. So Doc was a great coach for that team. Rondo, wildly underrated. I know that his prime was shorter than people think. He was My so fucking good. My favorite version of Rondo. He was better than the big three. Like that, that was, was so real. good. Like, he was so good. The way he the his ball fakes, his back, passing, his defense, it was he was a fucking wizard. I love Rondo's game. I hope that after we're done with this, I hit up a top hundred passes from Rondo YouTube video just to give him the respect he deserves. I the Nuggets match up well and I Can I tell a really funny side story about Rondo? Please do. All right. Yeah. So one of one of our great friends who's not been on the pod, but a, a mutual friend, is Drew Felsenthal. And one time, we, me and me and young Drew were were burning some joints as uh, young high schoolers, sure. and we're just you know pretty high. And he just looks over at me and goes, "Rajon Rondo," <laughs> 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 and just for so many years, we just used to look at each other and go, "Rondo." <laughs> I love that story, and half because when Tony Parker came up earlier, I had a similar flashback. Um, to chilling with the boys and Brett Garson just turns to us and goes, can you guys imagine Tony Parker with pigtails? <laughs> and everyone just <laughs> died laughing. It's like, yeah, I, I liked being a little, little 18 year old stoner kid. Life was good. Yeah. Life was, life was nice then. What were we talking about? I completely forgot. Oh right, so yeah. It's hard Celtics, to remember. Huh? So, the Celtics, <laughs> so we're going to put the Nuggets team right around that Celtics team. And I, and yeah, I, and I, a I'm going yeah. to say probably 
worse than the Kobe Shaq group, but better than the Kobe Definitely Powell group? Definitely worse than the Yes, yes, I is agree that, with is that. Is that fair? Yes, that is what I, I would go, and I, I don't need more. I don't much even more. think we need to talk about the Jordan Pippen Bulls. Yeah, you don't. And, and I think every other team, even anywhere around those years, there's such a big drop-off in skill level that it's not as fun a conversation because you have to start being like, what would it be like in that era? And it's, it's just... Right, okay. So, so the crux of this discussion led us to, are the Nuggets a dynasty or a potential dynasty or whatever? Well, let's rank them in context of other teams that we've seen. We saw the Warriors, dynasty... Prop- I think dynasty with the KD and four rings over yeah, what, eight obviously. years. All right. Not that Spurs dynasty five over 15 years. Not that Cavaliers with prime LeBron. Not that Heatles making four straight in a row. Not that where we do start to put them is right around the teams that won one or two of them. That maybe yeah. like the Celtics got to the finals, got back to the finals. Let's see if the Nuggets get back to the finals. Like I said, we're going to see people start to prepare for playing against the way the Nuggets play. We're going to see whether the injury luck bounces their way. They had the exact same starting lineup the entire playoffs. Yep. I don't know if any other team can say that. And we know Murray has historically terrible injuries. We know MPJ has historically terrible injuries. So how can we point to the Booker, KD, Chris Paul and say, well, we don't think they're going to stay healthy and not point to the Nuggets and say the exact same thing. So, so many ways that this that this ball can roll, that this snowball can go down the hill. But I think the crux of it is like, Maybe they win two and they could start to form a dynasty, but right now they're right around that one or two, right? Like like not Kobe Shaq. The Kobe Pow team won two, but we think they're slightly better than. With the, the Celtics team won one. We think they're right around there. We think they're better than the Mavericks and the Heat team that only won the one-off. We think they're better than the Bucks that won the one-off, but we're unsure if they're going to be a two, three, four, five title team. Yeah, 100%. And it's, again, it's crazy where if you talk to anyone, you know, they're by far the title favorites next year and all the other teams should be building to be the Nuggets in five years. And uh, they could win again and again. Jokic could be incredible and keep playing longer than people think. It's just, I, I just want to see it because they peaked at the right time. They're playing great basketball. The regular season, okay. the playoffs are different. Gonna Things are going to be different. You, said, you, said, you, said, you said, we'll see how much longer Jokic plays. Let's quickly talk about the, it's been pretty discussed heavily about the the celebration, Hilarious. the anti-celebration. Hilarious. Is it good? Yeah. My here's my question for you, Av. Please. Is what is is his lack of enthusiasm for the individual accolades and the and the spotlight that comes with this? Is it bad for the league? And 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 I'm gonna tell you my answer first. I think the answer is yes. And I want to just point to everyone points to Tim. Oh, it's very similar to Duncan and Duncan didn't care. And he would win his championships and go home and go wear his Levi's and wait online at a jean store. Right. You used to see pictures of Duncan, like waiting at a target line three days after winning an NBA title. So, and everyone ate it up for whatever reason. However, flip that narrative and imagine if Tim Duncan had Kevin Garnett's personality. Just imagine. Uh, look, I, I'm I better think, for the league. Would that have been like, I don't think what Jokic is doing is good for the league night and day. I don't know if it matters so much. If I have weak hair as the in-depth fans like this, whether it's so good for the league, since we're not the casuals, I not only do I think it's not good for the league. I would argue that even Tim Duncan and the way that he won and played was, was not good for the league. And there's a reason that I was everyone's it was favorite so player boring. and more important, even though he didn't win. 
It was boring personality. And, uh, like in football, you know, there's a helmet on. I don't even know what you look like. There's like a hundred of you on the field. Like three of you we call skill players. The re- like it's the, it's a very different game. In basketball, it's all about the stars, the personalities, the celebration. There's none of that like squashing the celebration stuff. Yes. So I think that the NBA does a great job of marketing their stars, which is part of why they're so scared about what's happening with Job because they lined him up to be one of those. We're going to talk about him soon. I I and I hope we do. Um. So I, I do think it's bad for the league. I don't care so much. I, I, I do think it's bad for the league. What I don't love is when people look at that post-game interview, which was hilarious, where he's, you know, upset that he can't go back to Serbia fast enough and has to celebrate in a parade, or look at him, you know, fake uh, yeah. doing or his champagne bottle. the MVP bottle. trophy quote? It's no, what was the MVP trophy? He quote? said he, he goes. They, he was asked about where, what he's going to do with the MVP trophy. He goes, I don't know where it is. I put it in the I put it in the equipment <laughs> trainer's locker room. I went back. It's not there, so I'm not sure. I don't know where. It I is. mean, but at least that's a personal accolade. The fact that he won a championship and isn't excited, people are like, what's going on? But I, he I'm literally said after the Lakers series, he goes, I'm surprised. I don't care as much. That's and like, and I, and I literally I, said I, it. There is some, there is some of that, a hundred percent. I'm not saying that it actually isn't partly that he doesn't care as much, and part is that he has a very well-rounded life, loves his family, his kids, his horses, all that. But I'm gonna say two things. First and foremost, you have to remember he genuinely hates talking to the media. He hates it. Yep. So all of the times you're hearing him are when he's the least happy, and he's thinking to himself, "How do I get out of this conversation and make it so these people don't want to talk to me anymore?" But so given that's his NBA priority, fan and part of being an NBA superstar is being accommodating to that right. stuff and building the game. You're absolutely right, and he's not doing that. And not every player has been exactly the way that David Stern wanted them to be all throughout time, and he's not the way that Adam Silver wants him to be. But this isn't some dude that's like, I hate my job. I have to go in and punch the clock and basketball no, sucks. Exactly. He gave himself so fully to this organization, this team, this he mission. He's so exhausted. Years. He's he in phenomenal every game. shape. He shows up every night. He's He's great. The mental and physical exhaustion you must feel after giving yourself so wholly to something, when you actually do love other things more, like your family, your horses, whatever, he's the most ready he's ever been to get the fuck out of there, and you're putting the people he likes the least in his face and saying, talk to me and say positive things. Not going to happen. Right. I do just – it's just tough. Where where I find it tough is like I love having these legacy discussions, right? I love having the where does this team rank in the mm-hmm. in the history, right? In the in the halls of basketball, right? I love having the let's get really excited for this game tonight. I'll call you when I'm walking my dog to talk about the game we're yeah. about to watch, right? So being so invested from a fan perspective, and then like my number one rule of betting is like don't bet on something where you care more than the person. So like. I can never bet on another Jokic MVP award, even though I think it'll probably happen because, like, I can't be rooting for that more than him. It felt it felt like, why am I investing my time right after the championship ended to watch him just not care? I mean, that's that's another. I was like, dude, he's so scarred. I felt bad about the way I've been spending my own time because of his reaction. I, look, that, that makes sense to me, too. I, I, I also think that even though he already didn't like the media or the personal accolades in the spotlight, what happened this year where the MVP race was turned into everyone that likes Embiid should talk as much shit about Jokic and vice versa with Embiid was such bullshit. It really affected him. You hear the way that Mike Malone, KCP talk about how he was like, please just leave me alone. Like, so at this point, he's like, now y'all butchered me all year. I asked you to stop nicely. And now you want to be my friend when I'm on the mountaintop? Fuck you guys. Right. 
Okay. That wraps You're up. You're cursing a little too much in your pod today. I'll I'll relax. Huh? No, I don't. I don't care. It's not like we just got signed <laughs> by ESPN and have to limit our thoughts. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Pat's Pat's pod's going downhill. He's in trouble. The, the, so the intro, like their intro song, has, has says the word "fuck" like 17 times in it. I'm like, well, are you gonna like? They should change the intro now before nah, exactly. get to the point exactly. where like they need to like have the peanut gallery be ready for it. All right. The next topic, yeah. actually, Av, let's take yeah. a quick break and come back in one minute. Okay. All right, welcome back. We have covered season stats and did our first two topics, putting this Nuggets team contextual, talking about the Sioux Falls heat, which is the secret sauce. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to let us forget about that, that I figured that out. And then talking about Jokic's lackluster celebration. Topic number three, as we fill in the gaps of NBA discourse, is talking about the players who actually gained respect upon being eliminated so we are going to go back because we've talked about playoff basketball as a different beast we've talked about it being almost a different game entirely and the people that step up year after year we need to recognize these players so we often talk shit when these guys are eliminated and then we just talk about the guys who have moved on so i want to go back and say who actually when their team got eliminated we were like at least that's a guy so i want to make a list Five, six, seven players. I came up with a few. I told Austin to come up with a few. We don't need to go into, we don't need to talk about Jimmy Butler. We don't need to talk about Devin Booker. And like, but let's throw out the names that impressed us and gained respect when we left. Okay. Yeah. I had a list of seven and you just named two of them or a list of eight. You okay, just let named me, two of them. But I'll, how long I, I, can I, go. I have, I have, I try, have a bunch of Try and knock one off my list. Go. I mean, oh, uh, okay, uh, uh, Jalen Brunson. It was right on my list. That was number three. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that has to be. I, I think that from there, mine are a little bit more wild card because uh, I, I have. Oh, Derek let me. White. All right, let me try and knock one off yours. Yeah. Good luck. Jaron Jackson Jr. Nope. 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 A, because you know I love his game, and I loved him so much during the regular season, and he didn't get to do as much in the playoffs. I. I I don't know how I felt about, about Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain was not on my list, but it's another great point. It's another player that, again, I, I love during the regular season, and I just didn't look at Memphis in that way. When I think of what happened with Memphis, I think of them really losing an incredible amount of respect. They were a team that was you know, geared to be the next rival of the Warriors in the West, Ja, Jaron Jackson Jr., and all of a sudden all you're talking about is Dylan Brooks being a fucking clown, them losing, and Ja's whole situation. So I don't have a lot of positive feelings about Memphis. Nonetheless, I absolutely loved the way Bain played, and I absolutely loved the way Jaron Jackson played. I think they were completely undermanned in this series. I think they were going up against a LeBron team as they were getting hot. I think they they just lost Brandon Clark. They just lost Steven Adams. They were relying on, like, David Roddy and Kenneth Lofton and Luke Kennard. So... I do think the stars there, and that's why we'll get into the jaw conversation, is because I think two of the three just really stepped up. Uh, name another one on your list. I'm gonna go Derek White. I know it's not a star, nice. and I, and I yep, I know that the Celtics underperformed, and so it's weird to pick a role player on that team. He was so good, and I'm not just talking about the game-winning shot uh, to send that to overtime where it's not a coincidence. He's in the right place because he's in the right place so often. He goes yep. so hard. There was like um, layers what to he... that play that showed him doing all of the right things. It wasn't even just the shot. He was in the right spot before. He made the right back cut. He did yep. three or four right things. He was the inbounder, all of the things. 
And if you go back through the 10 plays before that, there are so many plays where he doesn't touch the ball, he doesn't do anything positive, and if you were to say, is he in the right spot, every single time he's in the right spot. He's so paying attention, trying so hard. Both sides of the ball, and to have a guy who can both be your primary ball handler and defend the wing from like a two, it's, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. The Aaron Fox, he's on my list. Oh, I love that. I, I, I'm now upset he's not on my list because I know he was clutch player of the year and he had a great season, but it's very different in Sacramento having a good regular season versus actually showing up in the playoffs and, he and did. making that and series. He got hurt, he did. And he oh, played he did. through a hand injury and he still played well with the hand injury. That might have been the best series of the whole playoffs. It was the first round. Yep. All right. Name another on your list. Okay. I'm going Ant. Um, I know that Minnesota's in a world of problems with what they've done with Rudy Gobert's contract and how Cat clearly isn't the player we thought. And they only took one game off the Nuggets, but they took one game off the Nuggets. And it was because Ant put the team on his back for at least three games. He's a star. Get him out of there. Absolute stud. Keep him there. Get rid of Gobert. Um, how but can't you not trade Gobert for a little it's like there's all sorts of stuff I would I would honestly just I think I've said this to you off air I I bring Kat and I bring Ant into a private room and I say hey guys we tried with Gobert (laughs) we really thought this was a key piece for us and yes we gave away too much assets and it didn't work however we are going to move him and we're going to bite the bullet here but please give us faith that we are going to keep trying to bring in a third piece for you guys. And here is on, my follow-up. Sell them on. We are going to do everything we can, despite limited assets, to bring in. And you two are still the, the cornerstones of this. I I think that would be. And a we great actually way have to move more forward. time than we realized initially. I think because the, I think he has a no trade clause too. Potentially, I I think because he was traded recently, he was traded for so much. His contract is so terrible. I think potentially get him out for a cat. contract filler and 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 a late yeah. first round pick. Good. I mean, like, I I, I know, hope like that we don't Houston's, lose. Ant's if Houston's prime. about to sign Brooke Lopez to a big deal because they want to get better faster, like take Tari Eason and salary cap filler. I mean, of course they would take that though. Like you would have to trade someone away of serious value or real picks with Gobert to get someone to take him. But I yeah, yeah. maybe. Let's maybe. give me someone from your list. All right. Um, someone from my list who overperformed in the NBA playoffs, but we aren't talking about them enough. AV, I'm pulling up my list. Give me one more of yours. Just uh, I was doing this based off memory. So while I pull mine up, just give me one more of yours. So this is a bit of a wild card, and uh, she was eliminated early. That's right, she. DeMar DeRozan's she? daughter. DeMar DeRozan's <laughs> daughter, actually, <laughs> should gain a yes. ton of respect. Uh, single-handedly won the Bulls that first game, and if she didn't have to go to school the next day, the Heat might not even be in the fucking playoffs, let alone the finals. So shout out to, I forget her name, what, Ms. DeRozan, you the man, you, the, you, uh, you were essential. You were essential to that team. That was an amazing pull. All right, I have actually one more good one that I want your opinion on. Yeah, We've go. seen him do it in the playoffs before. Then he gets absolutely shitted on when it comes regular season, and we just saw him perform well in the playoffs again. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't think I do. Trey Young is a playoff guy. Wow. Okay, okay. I may be absolutely shitted on for this season. It's tough. They did have such a weird year. Um, he he's gets, so I good. Think he gets so much hate. For what he does every regular Correct. season, people hate playing with him. There's rumors. There's problems in Atlanta. Why can't they be? Playoffs come, and this guy shows up. Oh, yeah. Trey Young He's has nice. gained my respect 
because I was low on him, because I was a hater. He is a playoff guy. I, I agree. And the, the way that teams defend in the playoffs, where they're fouling every possession, playing so much harder, affects him so much less than I would expect it to, especially as a small guard. And when you have someone like that, where it's like you can give him the ball and get out of the way, um, that is a huge lifeline. Do you have any more that you want to hit, or should we move on to topic four? Uh, let's go to topic four. All right, topic four. We're approaching draft. We're approaching free agency. We're approaching some of the most fun, exciting NBA rumor mill time season, the Woj, Woj bomb season. AV, I told you to come up with one fake trade that you have not seen anywhere, that you have not seen the discourse discussed anywhere. I, you asked me, do I need to make it work salary cap-wise? I said, be relatively – you don't really need to because my perspective, if these teams want to make something happen, they will figure out the little yep. salary cap gymnastics around that to make the bigger thing happen. So if things are ballpark close, then these teams can make it happen. Give me a fake trade that you have not seen anywhere. So my entire goal with the fake trade was to – Create a trade that keeps Dame in Portland that's not, you know, Siakam or one of the other two that I've heard. Everyone's, um, I love this because everyone's trying to trade Dame out and come up with what's the what's Miami going to give, what's potentially Brooklyn, Brooklyn to give, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, it's like, uh, keep him on. there. I, I, look, I, I'm not fill saying the that gap. I have a crystal ball. Yeah, Fill in the gap there. that we do on this pod and tell me what's going to keep Dame in Portland and keep him happy. So this is a wild card move. I think you trade for one of the highest potential players in the NBA who's never been as low. I'm talking about Zion. He has this crazy, crazy situation going on where he's getting killed with all these porn stars or whatever. He's fat every season. They're saying they have no vets there to keep him in check. People are saying they're actually trying to trade him. And I heard, I, when I say heard, I mean I saw an R slash NBA, that they're trying to put a trade around for the four pick in, in uh, Houston for him. First of all, I hope they know they'd need a lot more than that, even though he's at his lowest value here. I still think that what's better than the four pick? The three pick. We're trading Ant Simmons, Simons. We're trading Ant, and we're trading the three pick. And I hope we don't have to give any more for him. If I can do that, I will. If I have to give him more, I'm giving him Shade and Sharp too. Give me Zion with Dame. I think that'd get him to stay. Oh what do you think? My God, <laughs> I absolutely love it, and I have to add layers to this. I have to add yes, layers. Go. To this. Where did Zion go last or the other season? Last season. Not this previous one, but the one before. Where did Zion spend the whole season when he wasn't in New Orleans? I mean, I'm guessing you're going to say the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Portland, Oregon. Wow. He did all of his rehab, wow. all of his training, wow. and got escaped. And everyone's like, it's like an oasis for him. Zion's happy when he's in Portland. It was like, There's no fried oh my dough God. There. You'll, be, you'll be doing Zion yes, loved Portland, Oregon. Topic number two. You've said you've heard about Houston trying to build a package. I can confirm that there's been reports of New Orleans trying to create a package to get number two from Charlotte because they're very interested in Scoot Henderson. So if they can't pry number two and they've even floated using Zion for that, then simply slide that down and use number three because Boom. right now in, in the odds, Brandon Miller is minus two. I was going to say, yeah. To go yeah. number two. So as yeah. a gambler, let me quickly tell you that minus 250 correlates with a 71.4% implied Ooh. probability. Of course, Ooh. 
the, the the Pelicans will not trade Zion without assurances that they know that Port, uh, that Charlotte is selecting Miller and that right. Portland will right. get Scoot, mm-hmm. right? Like, or that or that the Portland pick will have Scoot's availability there. So maybe we look for this to be done on draft night. Maybe it's a six minute deal. Maybe if we're looking to you know add salary fillers and and Portland just takes back some bad contracts because they're 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 taking in Zion, they want to win now. Do we bring CJ home? Oh, so I, I recently saw a post where they said they think it's unlikely CJ comes back home, um, unfortunately. I don't know if that's a Bridges Burnt situation or a play style with Dame situation or what, um, but unfortunately, I, I, Dame, I would like Dame's that. CJ, I, I know. I, it would, the, it wouldn't, the yeah. Most, would, that wouldn't happen as much, but, love I, it, but oh. the defense of Dame, CJ, Zion would be pretty bad. Exactly. It would but be. Dame, I, Zion would be fucking sick, and you'd probably look, resign if, Jeremy Grant. If New Orleans wants Scoot and the two pick, all they have to do is get the three pick from the Blazers. And now you have one of those easy deals with Charlotte where you say, look, uh, I'll do the two, three swap and you'll get a much later picker to throw in just to assure I get my guy. And it's a very low cost for New Orleans. And Charlotte wanted that anyway. Both sides are happy. And I think New Orleans is like plus four or five first round picks in their stock. They're ready to go. I mean, what from the AD trade? Actually, no. They're plus eight first round picks. They're the they're like one of the Jesus. Yeah. So New Orleans has the draft capital. They have the players. They have the con- they, it, this could really work. All right, that Let's was ex- that was exciting. We got to make that a normal <laughs> segment of a pod. An AV fake. Yeah, trade. that was fun. That was fun. How much time you spend yeah, on what, the trade machine? All right. Yeah, so, I mean, worth it on this one. But give me yours. All right. So we are talking about Bradley Beal nonstop right now so i was like all right let's let's do a beal deal and i'm a big beal fan like how do you feel about brad beal uh, i have it not not as high as you i can tell i don't want right, to shit let's, on him let's before him, your trade let's put him let's put him in context of some other players beal Great. or beal or donovan mitchell donovan mitchell beal or jamal murray Ooh, jamal murray sorry and that that one's so close no, 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 but no, um, i'm starting, I'm, biases. I'm starting near the top I'm starting to yeah, get tough. Recency bias is tough. Jamal gets a huge bump. I love Jamal. Keep going. Beal or Jalen Brunson? Oh, man. So that is that is team need because I, I Brunson can run a team. Beal can't do that. Brunson is younger. Brunson is on a better deal. If you're just talking about put them on the court, who's better at basketball skills, shooting, jumping, passing, all that, I think it's slightly Beal. Okay. But I'm taking Brunson because he's a winner and you build your team around him and he does different things. Beal or current Harden? Beal. Beal or I'm trying to think. Who? Wh- what We're is just talking name? ability, right? Not contract, not anything. No, just, just ability. Like, what is the skill level of this dude? Because yeah. I think he's incredibly slept on because he broke his wrist two years ago, had some hamstring injuries. He's been on a tanking team. But like, let's yeah, not sleep key. on the fact that he literally won NBA scoring title for the season and was an all-NBA player and has been a three-time all-star. Uh, so I have Beal very and like, took the I know Cavs that Jalen Brown. I know Jalen Brown's potential is much higher, um, but I have him just I just 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 above Jalen Brown currently with Jalen Brown having a higher potential. Yeah. Zach Levine. Uh, I I actually really like Zach Levine's game. I have Levine. DeRozan. DeRozan's so old. He's on the back end of his contract. It's tough. I know he wildly outplayed expectations the last two years, but I think it has to be Beal. Okay. So I feel like we've kind of put Beal yeah. into this. 
Jalen Brown, that's Jamal his tier. Murray. That's his tier. It's not, it, that's his tier, right? Like on any yeah. given night, me and you are huge Brandon Ingram fans, so we'd probably put B.I. a little higher. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, but it's it's that relative grouping. So for me, I want to bring him to New York. I want to put him on the Knicks, and I want to solve some of the Knicks issues by sending out because I think if the, the Wizards are going to trade Beal, you need to bring in because the contracts in Albatross, you need to bring in some future picks plus some sort of young player that you think can be a piece. You can't only get picks. Are right? you trading RJ? Are you trading RJ for Beal? Yes. Oh my God. Oh, whoa, whoa. whoa RJ whoa, Barrett, various contract packages. And some of the, I think, six first-round picks the Knicks are plus. The Knicks actually own a 2024 and a 2025 pick from the Washington Wizards with certain protections. That pick was sent from Washington to Houston in the John Wall uh, deal, Westbrook deal. It eventually made its way to OKC, and then it eventually made its way to New York. So New York owns two Washington picks, so they could forgive those two picks, give them back to Washington, say, okay, you have your picks back. You can give them a pick or two from the New York, and you can give them R.J. Barrett plus whatever, Fournier, whatever bullshit, D-Rose, whatever, quickly, top in, whatever you want to fill so, in. So uh, Fournier is the perfect one. Knicks have to get rid of him. He actually is a bigger contract. He fills some space. He allows the uh, the the, um, the the Wizards to take advantage of the fact they're going to suck anyway and actually probably get more picks for it. What if it was Obi? I love what Obi did in the playoffs, but this would be a sell high moment. He, he could have been, been a role player we put on the game to respect. He absolutely he should have been. I feel bad yeah. leaving him off. Same with I Mitch Robinson. He's been yep. He's uh, Obi has been wildly underdeveloped for a, you know an eight pick or maybe he was ten, but I think he was eight. Um, and I think that we finally got to see what you can get out of him. Someone who's athletic can defend, hit the open three. Um, and I kind of feel bad that he hasn't been developed more. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I would I would like to get a fresh start for him. Um, especially yeah, if I'm, I'm saying from, from, from a Knicks perspective, if you had to do uh, Barrett, Obi, plus some picks and filler stuff, would that plus scare Fournier, you which you want to get rid of? No, no. Yeah. If I can get off Fournier and I can win now, and I know what the Knicks fans need, and I know what I have in Brunson and Randall to build around with Mitch, and Beal is not only another star that you can satisfy people, but actually the right fit. Perfect um, I love fit. That that's, what yeah. I'm, that's what I want to yeah. emphasize. Beal is yeah. such an elite shooter, and not only that, his quick decision playmaking that he's developed over the last few years he is not a ball stopper he makes like you Brunson and and Randall can can be guys who take eight seconds off the clock but when they dish to Beal they have an outlet of someone who's also going to create a fast decision because they have two players who play a little slower so I love the fit I think the Knicks should be all in on Beal I think there should be a bunch of teams I would expect the Grizzlies let's have the John Morant conversation next I I I would have loved the Grizzlies to be heavily in, invested in Beal and pairing Beal, Dame as the shooters around Jaw, and then an interior defender in, in JJJ and Steven Adams or Brent or St- Brandon Clark, whatever. I would love that. But let's that's talk. Another, ja. That's another good bet. Let's talk Jaw. Yeah. I let's, think let's I, talk Jaw and then wrap here's it my up, here's yeah. here's my thought. Yeah. I think by the time this podcast is posted, and I think it's going to be posted tomorrow. I think we might know. Wow, you think it's so? Do you think it's happening tomorrow morning? You think That's, the morning of the sixteenth, Friday? I think I think it's going to be tomorrow's news. 
I might be a three thirty Friday news drop to try and you know rake it yeah, up. Yeah, hide it. <laughs> but we have the championship parade has ended, and we have next week we have draft week. So I think all of the focus next week is going to be geared towards the draft. I think the championship has ended. We had Silver come say he wants to not make it about the Nuggets. Okay, well you're not distracting back the finals. Serbia, right? Yeah, the you don't parade was today. The Jokic is going back to Serbia you. tomorrow. We are getting John Morant news tomorrow. What do you think it is? Yeah. 35 games, and I think it's too much. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously he's made some serious mistakes. He's an idiot in a lot of ways. Um, but I also think he hasn't he hasn't done anything wrong other than, you know, he hasn't broken any laws. He's, he hasn't been a great role model. His sneakers sold out immediately despite everyone trying to say Jaws a terrible person and you shouldn't buy any of his stuff. This is, uh, this is bad because he keeps making the same mistake. It's an easy mistake not to make. And it's, it's when you jeopardize something so important like these giant contracts, like your team's potential to win, like your whole life and brand and everyone you brought along and, and your friends and family. It's such a bad sign. I just don't think that the actual action itself of having mishaps and then flashing guns time and time again is actually so brutal. I think that having an NBA player and a young player at that who's learning along the way, this could be an opportunity to bring him in and teach other young kids and make him a role model if you want. I mean, there are senators that are sending out Christmas cards with their five and nine-year-old kids with AKs over their back, and there is less outrage and backlash for that. So I think we have to put this in context. If the over/under was thirty-four and a half, I'd be taking the under. I want. I'm, I'm going to guess it's around twenty to thirty. Uh, Twenty-five, Good. thirty would make a lot of sense for me. I think making it anything more than what Miles Bridges is getting, which is thirty game. 30 games with 10 considered served, so 20 games. Uh, I was, but his was different because he was out for so long. I, 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 I It was less I understand, public. but and in the optics yeah. of the NBA, what the I agree. punishment I agree. they handed out, I agree. You, yeah. it, it's really dicey to give Morant more than 30 games when Bridges. And here's where I'm going to zag where everyone's zigging. Everyone's thinking this is the, the discourse, and fill in the gaps is going to be the name of today's pod. The discourse around the John Morant is – Silver's pissed. He's going to come down mm-hmm. with the hammer. John Morant, mm-hmm. they already sat down once. He went too light on them. He's historically too light on the players. Here comes the hammer. We heard that they found out more information and that they're waiting and that they're going to make the announcement. It is going to be a big one. Here's my zag. I think what they found out, there's rumors it's a toy gun or whatever. I don't it's care. It's a fake gun. Yeah. I, I don't care. I don't, don't, don't want to speak to that. I don't want to speak to that. I don't know how to do that conversation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What I think has been more uncovered, and it's because I follow the Grizzlies very closely. I like a lot of the Grizzlies beats and reporters as like daily analysts. I have people who I listen to about the NBA completely, so they happen to cover more Grizzlies. So I'm very up to my Grizzlies stuff more than anything else. Uh, I think John Morant has a clear drinking problem. I think there's been lots of videos of him just literally chugging tequila and having like no facial expression. Like I'd be gagging if I did what he did, like bottoms up, like bottle fucking fully swigging it. So many Instagram live videos of him drinking and having parties at the house and saying that he doesn't go to bars anymore and blah, 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 blah. Um, and for that reason, I think we are going to get a, another light suspension because I think the line that Silver is going to toe is 
too big of a suspension is going actually really bad for this guy. It's not in the best interest of John Morant mm-hmm. and turning this around to have him banned from the facility, to have him away from his friends, to have him going through all of that nonsense. We, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 30 games, but allowed to be in the facility. Is there a rehab? I think you want to strengthen his support system right now, and, and and giving him a lengthy suspension doesn't do that at all. I agree, but since when do player punishments factor in what's best for the player? It's almost always what's best right. for the Maybe league, I'm and that Silver. really means image Maybe and Silver. bottom line. Uh, what is yeah. Silver's responsibility here? It becomes the question: Is it only is do what the to, best to protect the, the brand league, and the teams the and their money? Help draw as a person too. Look, I grew up in David Stern era, so like Adam Silver right. seems 50 like a games, saint. Fifty games, one season. So, see you later. Yeah. If you don't turn oh, this around, he would, that's your he's a mobster. Like behind yeah. scenes, he would kill you. Like it would, it would. Right. Like he would. His threats mattered. Adam Silver's a sweetheart. I hope he has your thoughts in mind. Um, but look, the the Grizzlies too. When when this all came out, the Grizzlies weren't like we need to bring him closer. The Grizzlies were like he's been suspended from all activities. He can't come to the facility, and that was after the year's over. So now you're really yep. isolating him. Yep. I mean, we will see. We will see what happens. I think that I think that news is coming in 24 hours, just given the timing and context of everything else. I'm looking uh, forward to it, but I'm sad about it because I want to see him play. Any other topics you want to hit? This has been a phenomenal conversation. I, I have enjoyed this. I, I am I am topicked out. Um, I'm sad the NBA season is ending. Um, I love that you know there's now a legitimate off season because it's so wild with trades and free agent signings and it's a Wembanyama year. But uh, yeah, I'm sad. All right, let me give the housekeeping as we sign off for the podcast. This was the final episode of the 2022-2023 NBA season. I am officially going to take two weeks off right now. You will not be hearing from me for the NBA draft. I don't think I'm going to bet it. I just think I'm going to skip it. I'm exhausted. I've been grinding and putting out write-ups and pods and everything. So I'm going to take a nice break. I have never taken a two-week break since creating the podcast. So my goal right now is to come back slightly after July 4th, where we will be discussing football. We'll be getting ready for NBA offseason. We'll be doing a lot of strategy-based podcasts. I'm going to do tips for live betting. I'm going to be talking about a lot of DFS strategy. I'll be going over some NFL stuff like teaser rules and and how to use those key numbers. Like we talk about seven being an important number for the NBA. Well, did you know three is actually twice as important in the NFL? Did you know that 47 and 48 are really important numbers in NFL totals? We will get to all of that. There is so much coming here on The Advantage. I will be back, but until then, two or three weeks. And I also, I realize that Matthew Berry, and um, as we get to football season, ends all of his shows with, peace out, which is how I always end my show. So now I can't do that anymore. Mm. So we're going to be How about one, two, three that. Cancun? You got a break coming up. I do a one, two, three Cancun champ. I was going to go with deuces. Oh, I like deuces. Deuces in every episode. Uh, every yeah, episode. Like, all right. Yeah. That wraps us up for today. See you tomorrow. See you in two weeks. Deuces. It's <laughs>